five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Curtain. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Chrissy. And we have such an exciting episode here for you today. Joining us in studio, we have the wonderful, fabulous, sunshiny Christy Altamar. Christy's joining us today to chat all things Carrie the Musical in honor of the ninth anniversary of the revival production, as well as take a little journey through her career. Welcome, Christy. We are so excited to have you in the studio today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here, Jocelyn and Chrissy. I love you guys so much. We We love you. you. We are so thrilled that you are here to join us today to talk all things Carrie. Yes, one of the greatest musicals that never got to Broadway. Well, the revival anyways, that is. Yeah. On Broadway version, how long did it last? Like one show or something? Yeah, like something totally crazy. Not even a week. It's like single digits. Yeah. It's so sad when that happens because anyone who's in musical theater knows what it's like to put together a musical, let alone a musical that ends up going to Broadway. There's so much invested, so much. I mean, I feel sorry for like Nerds the Musical. Did you guys ever hear of Nerds the Musical was supposed to go to Broadway? They were like all ready to load in and then the producer like, I guess, pulled out his money and like the show never got to happen. And stuff like that happens all the time. Rebecca, the musical yes. was like, there's the marquee was up there and then it never got to happen. So it makes me so sad when things like that happen, especially so for a, broad, a Broadway show. So much heart and so much energy is put into shows. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't even realize, yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, Carrie the Revival, the version that I did, which was back in 2000 and what? 12? 12? 2012 yeah yeah really really long time ago but really exciting yeah I was in high school listening to that album like on repeat I was pretty upset that is awesome I thought it was great you were were in high school listening to a story about high schoolers yes (laughs) oh that's awesome yeah all the teen angst all the and all the bullying oh did you have any bullying in high school oh yeah the more elementary school High school was more just like clicky and more like the cattiness than the outright kind of bullying, but yeah. That makes sense. That feels like how it should be, but I always feel like it's the other way around. It feels like it should be when you're younger is when the bullying happens and then people get involved and in high school it gets better. But for a lot of the times, it's not the case, right? It gets worse. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I think I love Carrie so much because I hated prom. I was like, prom was just like, not, it was awful for me. So like, I mean, I didn't get any pig's blood dumped on me. So like, thank goodness for small mercies, but just, it wasn't a fabulous evening. So I was like, I like this. I like this. Prom isn't that great. (laughs) Let's kill them all. (laughs) Not actually. (laughs) actually. I can remember all the posters outside the Lucille Lortel Theater saying like, slay them all, Carrie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. The, It was, it was, it's a crazy story. And at the same time, even though there, even though it kind of had a cult following um, back when it was on Broadway, that people liked the sort of camp of it. The goal of this, of this version, I mean, yes, it is, you know, the same way American Horse, not American Horror Story. What's the other one that went that a Duncan Sheik musical. American Psycho. American Psycho. Just like how American Psycho goes to Broadway, you know, there's always that little laugh of like, ah, ha, ha, this is like a horror thing. But at the end of the day, when you really watch the show, like it's kind of like scary. Like there's moments that are terrifying. Um, but this show itself, I remember 
the creative team sang when we all got together and Stafford Arima, the incredible director that directed this show, um, we all got together and he basically said like, this show is not camp. This show is, this show is really about, um, it's really about bullying and the effects of bullying. And um, yes, the supernatural element of it is kind of cool, but the, these characters are real. And there's a lot of high schoolers who have been through this stress of, I want to fit in. I want to be cool. I want to be liked. I want, you know, and like you said, you were in high school while you were listening to this, you felt connected to the fact that prom was a bad experience for you. I'm sure a lot of people have had a situation where prom was a bad experience for them as well. And they just wish they could have been Carrie and just like telepathically <laughs> burnt the school down. Right. I mean, and, and I think that's kind of the beauty of art in general, which is that we have this ability to kind of suspend reality and, you know, dive into the human psyche in a way that we could never do in real life, obviously. But, um, you know, the human condition is very universal and every single uh, person on this planet, any, any good work of art, everybody on this planet can look to and say, I get that, or I've been there at that time in my life. Um, and that's what's kind of really cool about shows like Carrie, because pretty much everyone's, you, you don't really escape high school unless your parents were like, you can be homeschooled. <laughs> you don't really escape that experience. That's so true. <laughs> you know, we've all been there and we all know how hard it is yeah. growing up. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes these shows that happen to be campy and are seen as camp, the reason that they're cult classes is because they do touch that human experience. So what I love about shows like Carrie or Rocky Horror, like these shows that have that cult classic status, they have real people. And then the camp is just, it's not even frosting. It's like uh, sprinkles on top. Yeah, it's a suspended disbelief of like, okay, so we know that she's not actually, you know, nobody actually has the power to do something like this, but it's, but the reality of what, why she did what she did and, and that she was so repressed and that her mother was oppressing her and the school was oppressing her. And it's just, it's such a good book too. Did you guys ever read the Stephen King actual book? It's so good. Yeah, it's excellent. It's excellent. And, um, and I really think that they did a beautiful job adapting it for the stage. I think it just meant so much um, to so many. And then once it went, you know, once we found out it wasn't going to Broadway, it be, it still became accessible and lived on through high school performances. And even my college did it. I mean, it's, it's, Carrie is still done all over the place and it's meant so much to so many and really helped those who have had to deal with bullying and had to deal with, you know, teen drama. Um, so yeah, I feel so honored to be a part of such a beautiful production that really meant so meant so much to so many, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chrissy and I were actually talking about, cause we, we did a little episode on Carrie in October for like our Halloween series. And we were talking about the fact that kind of around 2012, that was that shift where we started to see more musical theater, like about teens and teen stories. And, you know, even now it, we have the world of Dear Evan Hansen, the world of Heather's, these sorts of stories are really being told and they are gaining that huge following. And we were thinking that, you know, maybe like this kind of era, the 2010s and onward, this was the era to bring Carrie, that she would be more accessible than she was back when she was on Broadway. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right there. I mean, yeah, there's Heather and there's, yeah. And even next to normal in a way with the whole mm, Natalie yeah. arc, you know, there's, and Mean Girls and all of that. There's, there's always been a fascination with that time, that coming of age where you're like, you're, you're just figuring out who you are in the world and trying to access how, how to exist with other people of your age, right? Because everyone's figuring it out at the same time. And you're just sort of like thrown into this pool, right? I was just, um, I was just teaching a class like a little bit ago and we were working on a song from Heather's that tiniest, the lifeboat song. Do you know that song? Yes. (laughs) So similar. It's just this teen angst of this girl just miserable and feeling like even though she's the queen bee at school, she's still miserable. And so it just goes to show like when you're that age, you could even be the most popular girl in school and hating your life. So it doesn't, nobody escapes it. Nobody escapes the drama of being a teen. I really feel that's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's so interesting you say that, that really those 2010s were like the years of a lot of those teens. I mean, other than that, before that time, really all there was was Greece, right? Yeah, yep. And then much later, Spring Awakening, if you really, really, really think Mm -hmm. about it. And then I guess there was 13, kind of. That's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. There's that age, but but really not much. It really started to explode during those those years. Wow. Really good observation. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it like getting to recreate the role of Sue Snell in Carrie? I actually think... um, even though the show already had gone to Broadway, they made a lot of changes and they had a lot of, you know, you know, they just had a lot of different ideas and new songs. And there was so much new that was coming to the plate. And I just, um, even Mm -hmm. though I was recreating Sue, it felt so much almost like starting from scratch in a way. Um, And they did this really cool thing where, it was like a flashback where Sue would come in and she would, you know, be interrogated because she's the, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Carrie, Sue Snell, the character that I play is the only one that survives. So, so I'd be sitting in, um, you know, sitting in a chair at the beginning of the show being interrogated because I'm the only survivor of this, of everyone at the school dying because Carrie. And then, um, And so I'm being interrogated and then straight from there, I'm, we're doing a flashback and all of a sudden I'm at school and then I'm going back to the interrogation. And then, so it was actually really, really tricky, especially at the age I was, I was much younger than I am now. And trying to find that balance of the two worlds was really hard. And I remember being backstage at the Lucia Lortel, which was a very small off-Broadway theater that was actually just, if you can imagine, if you've never been in the Lucia Lortel, which I think they still are open. I thought there was a time they were gonna be closed, but I think they're still open. And basically there's the theater, right? And the stage and the, and the, um, the, the chairs. But then if you go to the back of the house, there's these steps that lead upward. And then there's this long hallway and then down this a couple steps, there's like a little one little tiny private room, which is where um, Marin and um, Molly, who played Carrie and uh, 
and Miss and Margaret, Margaret uh, White, yeah. Margaret, yeah. yeah. Um, they would stay, right? So they were in like the star dressing room, and the rest of us were in this tiny little thin hallway with one like little sheet connecting us, so that the guys were on one side and the girls were on the other, and we were like like sardines slammed next to each other, which is totally cool, totally like that's the way you want to do theater. I know Broadway, everyone gets their own room sometimes, but it's very cool to be that connected to everyone in the cast. I honestly feel like you have your best shows when you connect with everyone before the show. Like there's something about that, like the energy, something about having that energy of camaraderie before a show really just makes the show so much better. So even though I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it, like it's the worst thing and it was actually the best. So I'm, we're backstage jammed together like sardines and I would get up and walk into like a corner, which there really wasn't a corner. It was more like part of the walkway away from people. And I would just be doing these Laban efforts, trying to get into the state of, of trauma, because I know the first scene I'm going to have to be Sue Snell, like being interrogated. Um, and, and then like people would walk by and be like, ha ha, Christy. Because <laughs> everyone else just got to be teenagers the whole time. So true. And so you're in and I'm just, and I'm just like going back and forth between insanity and like everything's cool. <laughs> so that was very hard. So developing that aspect was very tricky and very hard. And, you know, in many ways, I've said that playing Sue was one of the hardest roles I've probably the hardest role I've ever had to play. I've played roles that are much, much larger than than, than Sue, but I think sometimes that's almost easier because you're on stage the entire time. So you're, so you're in that mode the entire show, but when you have like a snippet and then you're off stage for a couple scenes and then you have to come back on with that same energy or, or a transformed, okay, we're going back in time. Now we're forward in time. Now we're back in time. It was very tricky. And oftentimes when I see, um, other, productions like sometimes I'll do a Q&A with a production of a high school or something I'll find the Sue and I'll be like is it hard and <laughs> she's always like yes it's so hard um I don't know why I don't I literally don't know why the, it's written so well the songs are so beautiful like the show I think is just such a gem and so amazing but I think it's just tricky as an actor because of what you have to do that switching back and forth can be very very hard just hard that's really interesting because in the original film and the Broadway version, they didn't have any of the interrogation scenes with Sue, but inside the book they do. So I'm glad that was incorporated into the revival. Yes. Yes. And Larry, who wrote the book, uh, would say to me that he almost thinks of the show as being called Carrie as told by Sue. Oh, I love that. So, mm. Like the I whole like show is like, it's it's like, because it's all through the lens of Sue. Yes. It's And they would say like, they would actually say when we were like, at, we re they really tried as they were developing it to, to, to make it look like a dream world. Like everything mm. that was happening wasn't really just a flashback. It was actually a flashback in my mind. Like we're all going into her, like Sue's mind. Um, so that was also, you know, really, it, it's, it's tricky, right? Because you want to honor, um, both lenses. You want to honor the lens of the, the future, uh, Sue, which is her being interrogated and her life and what's going on. And then you want to honor this dreamscape world where, you know, we're reliving the story of what happened. Um, 
and I just, you know, I loved working with that cast. They were all so fantastic. And um, we've all kind of remained pretty close. It's like, if I reach out to any of them, it's like time has never passed. Um, I think something about, it's almost like when the show was being developed and we were all in high school, it's almost like we all went back to high school in a way, in the, in the same way that when you go to high school, you go to a high school reunion, you sort of feel that connection of that special time. And I think because we were all so young and because a lot of us were like single and like just starting out our careers um, in professionally on Broadway, you know, there's that comfort of looking back to, oh, when I first was really starting this. Whereas now, if you look back at the cast, oh my gosh, they've all done multiple Broadway shows and multiple exciting things. And like that entire cast had so many just amazing powerhouse oh, yeah. people in it. No matter who they were, whether they were in the ensemble or had a role, like they were all just like went off on to become like stars. Like it was insane. It's so true. The Carrie Revival cast is one of the first casts that I really followed the careers of afterwards because you were all just so talented. And I'm really glad yeah. I had the opportunity to see a few of you do some other things in New York City since 2012. Yeah. I mean, you got Gina, who played Chris, who just did, she just played Diana in the yeah. Diana Broadway musical. And you have Carmen Cusack, who played the teacher, Mrs. Gardner, and mm -hmm. she was the lead in Bright Star. And then, oh man, I could just go on and on. Or like F. Michael Haney, who played a huge role. He played one of the, the kids in Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. And then and then he just um, went on tour as Olaf yes. in Frozen. So, you know, you have that. And then you have the great Andy Miantis, who's who did Smash. And then he did Les Mis. And then the Spring Awakening revival right. uh, on Broadway, you know, and Les Mis. And yeah, just tons of things. And yeah, I could just go down the list. Like my friend Mackenzie, who's just like, hopping from Broadway show to Broadway show who is in in it so it's just it's insane yeah totally it's just an extremely well cast like production and that's something you know mm -hmm. that's why I love listening to it so much because th there's no track that you want to skip because every like just a the music is just brilliant but you know the people who are who've recorded it who have worked on it it's just it's so powerful to listen to even the ensemble stuff it's just it's raw talent just like pouring out and it's brilliant yeah you're totally right that that like every single person that worked on it was it's not only just the cast itself but everyone who worked on it went on to do so many broadway shows i mean they mm -hmm. were already doing broadway shows but you know we really got the creme de la creme like to work on it even on on a strictly creative the creative level um so we had the great Mary Mitchell Campbell. Um, she was our music director and Anne-Marie Malazzo did the arranging. So she, mm -hmm. so Mary Mitchell Campbell's like in, incredible at teaching, um, especially like teaching people who aren't like super like uh, sight readers. Like she has a way of just like making learning music very easy. And then she had a way of like really working with us and making us feel comfortable with all the music. 
And then you'd have Mar- Anne-Marie Malazzo who would come in and be like, I'm, I'm hearing this weird, odd harmony. Let's try this. Or this weird like sound out of nowhere that just like she pulled from he- the heavens. And for those of you who don't know, Anne-Marie Malazzo also did some of the music arrangement, like the sound arrangements and stuff for Spring Awakening and for um, Next to Normal and tons of other things. But, you know, if you like some of those crunch chords in um spring awakening it's like that's her and the crunchiness in carrie like it when you listen to in and you hear like they're like ah, ah. like i remember she'd be like guys like do it more like this ah, ah. <laughs> she like, like explain to us exactly the tonality of each note and she was so cool um to work with so yeah it wasn't like your typical musical theater uh, situation. It was very like music. That's why you, you're saying like, there's the songs that are kind of musical theatery and then the other ones that are a little bit more almost like edging towards like a, like a, like a song you'd hear on the radio sort of, yeah. you know, like typical radio play sort of thing, you know, it's a good balance. Yeah. And it's a good balance. It's a little bit of both. Uh, and, and, but yet, but yet when you listen to the whole thing as a whole, it's it's not like a huge shift of like oh what's this song it's like the songs the songs all feel like they're within the same world but yet but yet it's like the high schoolers way of expressing themselves is different than the way yes. the mother's experience of expressing herself and the way the music is created for the way Carrie lit where Carrie lives and it seems all very deliberate like every single person lives in a different world but yet they're all married together mm-hmm. Cause it's all the same writer. So it feels like the same. It's so cool the way they did that. It's really cool. It's not generic. It's very cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah. And since we have you here, we're going to take a little journey into your career. Journey to the past. A journey to the past. <laughs> since we just mentioned Spring Awakening. What was that like? That was your mm-hmm. first national tour, right? Yes. So Spring Awakening was right out of, out of college. I booked Spring Awakening. And it was kind of like a fairy tale story. I really didn't expect in my wildest dreams um, to be working right out of college. I mean, most people, they they hope that they, they ever get to work, you know, um, as an actor. So I was very fortunate and very lucky. And, um, you know, I worked really, really hard. You know, I maybe went in like five or six times for that, for that role. Um, and I got to tour the country uh, with this other pop rock, angsty teen musical. Um, but yet, you know, obviously in a much different time period where everyone was even more restricted than Carrie. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was totally fun. And, uh, and, and it definitely helped inform Carrie for me because I was very used to living in that world of the, that like kind of pop rock, indie rock sort of sound, um, that angsty teen sort of vibe. So it felt like, uh, as I was, as I, as I go through my career, um, it, it has always felt like I grow up sort of with my characters. So mm-hmm. I started playing Venma, who's like a 12 year old. And then I got to play Sue, who's like an 18 year old. And then I went on to do um, Mamma Mia and she's like 24 years old, I think. (laughs) So it's like, as I have aged, I've slowly 
gotten to play, you know, a little more mature <laughs> each time. <laughs> right. And that is where I first saw you in Mamma Mia, which is where you made your Broadway debut. So what was that like joining a crazy high energy show <laughs> for your Broadway debut? Oh my gosh, that's right, Chrissy. You saw me. That's how we met one another. Aww. It's true. Special time. Really good memories. That was memories. such a special time. Yeah, mm. really good memories. That show is such a magical show. And I remember, I, I know I've told this story like a million times, but I'll say it again. The thing about Carrie, or not Carrie, the thing about Mamma Mia is that it's kind of like an antidepressant. Yes. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what mood you are in. It could be the snowiest, grossest day in New York City. If you go in to the island of, of um, wherever they are, that Grecian isle, isle uh, to see Mamma Mia, you're going to walk out like so happy and forget you ever, it was ever a bad day ever. Um, so I would just be going, heading to work like a matinee or something. And maybe I'm having a bad day. And I would talk to my dad on the phone and just be like, oh. I have to go to work and I'm tired and I'm having a bad day. And then I would do, I'd finish the matinee and I'd call my dad again and, and I'd be like, hi dad. <laughs> and he'd be like, I thought you were having a bad day, <laughs> but it's just that mega mix. Like you can't, yes. you can't, you can't dance the mega mix. You can't listen to the mega mix without leaving happy. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way there's just no way. And that's, I think that's what's so beautiful about art in general and music in general, especially, especially uplifting music, right? Mm -hmm. It totally can transform the heart, the mind, everything. It's so powerful, way more powerful than I think people give it credit for. I say this all the time, but I think every show should just have a mega mix. Like, why? I, why don't they? Right? I love a mega mix. I could make a playlist of just mega mixes and I'd be the happiest human on the planet. That would be so great. <laughs> a mega mix of Carrie. Wouldn't that be so great? <gasps> yes. I'd be like, that's whatever since <gasps> the world began. Do me yes, a favor. Because you're in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We just need like a fun little, like, bo-chip, 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 bo-chip. <laughs> Yes, we need this. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so then after Mamma Mia, you reunited with Derek Kalena, where you played in Anastasia together and got to be Broadway's princess. It was so amazing to get to work with someone who I'd already known and felt comfortable with. And I think it's, you know, it's a testament to... Derek and his amazing professionalism that while we were doing Carrie, even though I feel like he was 20 years old, from what I recall, I feel like he wasn't even old enough to drink yet when we had done that show. And he was such a professional then, a consummate professional, and we had such a great time working on it that when I was going in for the audition for Anastasia, he was there. And they had told me that the two of us were going to get to audition together. And I went up to him and we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really just totally took all the pressure off because it was like, oh, I'm just going to get to act with one of my friends. Uh, so regardless of whether I get this role or not, this is going to be fun. And we just had a blast in that audition room. And I yeah. feel like there must be something to energy because it translated and they saw the connection between the two of us. And I just, 
I just could not, I, I honestly couldn't think of a better person to play Dimitri in my, in my mind. And to have gotten to go through that experience was so surreal, but to have gotten to go through it with someone that I respect and just think so highly of was just the icing on the cake, you know? Totally. And just getting to see you two be in Anastasia together was just, that was it for me because you're two of the kindest people I've ever met. And I just sat there and I saw the whole show because it's wonderful to see two really lovely people living out their dreams and we got to live it out we got to live it out together which was really cool like that we you know he had been on Broadway and I had been on Broadway before but to get to play these iconic characters was really something so different and so special I mean Sue and um Tommy Ross are obviously other uh, (laughs) iconic characters in their own way but Anastasia is definitely you know it, it takes you back to being a kid. We all remember that animated classic and the the icon that Liz Calloway is. Um, uh, so it was just, yeah, it was like on another level of gratitude, not only just being able to play those roles, but every single person in the cast um, and the creative team was so fantastic and kind and working with them it was it's like every so often in your career career you'll get the perfect storm and working on Anastasia was a perfect storm for me it was Mm. getting to do a role that I've always wanted to play getting to work with people that were basically became lifelong friends getting to work with a creative team that I respected on such a high level Mm. uh and getting to essentially work on material that was so fulfilling as an actor there were just so many elements and then the added element which was the element I didn't expect to to feel which is I knew I knew people that saw the animated film were going to come and see the show but I didn't really fully understand how much the character Anya affected people emotionally and there were a lot of young fans of this show that just would tell me, you know, I was adopted from Russia when I was younger, or I used to watch this animated film every single night with my mother or my grandmother, or, you know, this story means so much to me because I feel such a tie to Russia. Whatever it was, um, it had a very visceral attachment to so many. And I got to be the lucky recipient at the stage door night after night to hear these beautiful stories and to hear how this art really affected people. I used to tell Lynn and Steven who wrote the music to Anastasia, I wish they could stand at the stage door line with me and just like get to hear the way this show means so much to people because I think it, I know that they know what they have done for the earth, but I, I, I almost wish they could see just the gravity of what they've accomplished and how they've touched so many for the better. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Both times that I went and I went to the stage door, it was like the craziest, most loving stage door that I have ever seen at any Broadway show. And it's just, it's a testament to your performance, truly. So much. So, I mean, I, I just think, you know, I tried, I think when you're lucky enough to be in a position where you're playing a leading role, no matter what leading role it is, any leading role, um, to try to keep the energy up to, 
to, to try to keep the love not only on stage, but off um, and make everyone around you feel like they can be their best. And that's all I ever want is I want people to all around me all the time to feel like comfortable enough that they can be their true selves and be their best selves. Um, so that, I mean, it's not always what you get, but if you strive for that, then, you know, you're at least acting from a place of purity and light and love and all of that. So yeah, I got that, I got that back in return, um, at the stage door night after night, which was really cool. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. And I just have to share this story because (laughs) you are just the sweetest person ever. And I think this is so funny and so genuine. But when we were backstage in your dressing room and we're both crying and hugging and reuniting and you're like, and I even have a nice bathroom. (laughs) And there's a bathroom. (laughs) It just made me giggle so much because I was like, this is why I just love Christy so much. (laughs) It was such a genuine reaction as well. And whenever I've done community theater and there's a bathroom with a nice shower inside I'm always like oh my god this is so cool it's definitely like a cool thing when you have a bathroom in your in your dressing room god (laughs) but really you had such a cool dressing room during the Anastasia run at the Broadhurst theater I was very blessed during Anastasia to have like that that space to like be in solitude a little bit um even though I did end up uh, opening up my dressing room to whoever needed it while I was on stage, which was really awesome because my, just that I was able to do that because my dressing room was right off the stage. So I was able to, to make that accessible to people. And since I was on stage pretty much the whole show, there was a lot of time that that room wasn't being utilized and everyone in the cast was able to like come in and hang out and relax. And I sort of made it like a fun hangout area where I would have candy and treats and snacks and dip and all sorts of things. So, so cute. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So this is our last question. Okay. 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 I'm ready. We know you love Taco Bell. It's my fave. Mine too. (laughs) So what is your favorite thing to order off the menu? I'm really embarrassed to admit this because it's so basic and the truth of the matter is the actual truth is I love everything at Taco Bell and I've eaten and I have eaten everything at Taco Bell multiple times. Uh, but my go-to is the cheese, the chicken cheese quesadilla uh, with a side of sour cream. And um, if they have the fries, the Mexican fries, have you Mm, yes oh my gosh oh my gosh I don't even know what that seasoning is but that's inc- those fries are amazing so good. and obviously for dessert those little like they're like cinnamon circle yes the little cinnamon balls, balls that have the goo inside <sighs> and then I usually will have they have all different types of drinks but I'll usually just I feel like they had like a mango flavored drink there that I used to get all Anyway, yeah, Taco Bell's the best, but everything is the cheesy gordita crunch is great. The Crunch Wrap Supreme is great. I mean, you can't go wrong with those. 
but I'm pretty basic, unfortunately. Those are like, that's my go-to is the quesadilla. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with anything at Taco Bell. It's just, it's amazing. I definitely answered that question. Like it was a very serious question. I probably should have just been like, I go for the quesadilla, but instead I gave you a full range. This is how, this is how obsessed you can tell I am with Taco Bell. <laughs> Here in Canada, we don't have many Taco Bells. Well, at least not in Montreal because of the whole language thing. Anyways, whenever I go to the States, I go multiple times to Taco Bell and I always bring home the hot sauce packets because they're just so cute. And I mean, where else are you going to go where a hot sauce packet is like, will you marry me? Or like, hey, hot stuff. I I love the hot sauces. Christy, it has been such a pleasure. We are so, 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 so grateful that you joined us today. I am so honored. I love this podcast. I love you guys. Um, I'm grateful to be here. And yay, go carry. Go carry. One of the best musicals of our time. And one way, one way or another, I do believe in the future, somebody's going to want to produce that show and it's going to go to Broadway. I feel like it's just a matter of time. People love it. Me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's going to happen. We just want to take this time to thank you for a thousand downloads. What? Like that is so insane to us. Seriously, thank you so, so, so much. It's honestly amazing and uh, humbling that so many of you have decided to listen to us. And uh, we hope to continue bringing you fun, stagey content. We've got a lot of stuff planned coming up, as well as a special event to celebrate your generosity of a thousand downloads. You can find all the information for our live free event on our new Instagram page at Breaking the Curtain. Again, that's a huge thank you to everyone listening at home and a huge special thank you to Christy as well for joining us today. As always, I'm Jocelyn and you can find me at bothsidesofthecurtain.com. And I'm Christy and you can find me at breakalakeblog.com. Bye!